In November 2022, the World Health Organization renamed monkeypox to Mpox. This was in order to fight stigmatization surrounding the name. Combating shame and stigma surrounding Mpox is one of the primary goals of this series. As this was recorded prior to this change, this episode will feature references to the original name. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From unsightly lesions to excruciating pain and a huge mental impact, monkeypox is really tough. I struggled so much with my diagnosis because of so many factors. The shame surrounding the condition, the impacts of sharing my story, and the lack of information. During this documentary, we've shone a light on so many of these issues, but there's still some really big things that just keep standing out. This virus has been endemic since the 1970s, and we really haven't done much about it. And that bears repeating. For over 50 years, people have been struggling with it in Central and Western Africa, and even now when it's spreading around the world, the action, well, it's limited. The most frustrating thing for people with experience and experts is that we actually have the tools to fix this, but only if we work on a worldwide scale to prevent this and future outbreaks, if governments step up And if we change our attitudes to sex, and specifically, queer sex. Today, in the final episode of this season, we're looking at the global big picture. The future of this outbreak. And we're reflecting on the response. Because the experts are united in one thing. It's unlikely this outbreak will be the last monkeypox outbreak. So, what the pox are we going to do about it? It is temporary. Above all else, that is what I remember that got me through it. We need to make sure that gay and bisexual men have access to the vaccine. What I'm seeing a lot in the media are quite stigmatizing messages. If people were always you know, doing exactly the right thing, then there'd be no STIs ever in the world. It does beg the question, if this was affecting heterosexual white people, maybe wouldn't be in this situation potentially. It is the job of a sexual health doctor, of an infectious disease doctor, to give people the ability to have the type of sex that they like with as low a risk as possible of infectious disease. Welcome back to What The Pox, the documentary podcast talking about monkeypox without shame or stigma, and looking at the lessons we've learned and how we can move forward to solve the issues and make changes for the future. Something that's come up time and time again is the global inequity when it comes to treatment, vaccines, and care. As I mentioned, monkeypox has been endemic in African nations since the 1970s. 
In the 80s, we saw the outbreak of HIV. And more recently, we've seen the global COVID pandemic. Surely with so much time and experience on our side, we should just be so well equipped when it comes to handling an outbreak like the current one we're seeing with monkeypox. Quite a few of the mistakes have ex- happened exactly the same in monkeypox as it did in COVID, as it is in HIV. That's Olin McFadden. He's an advisor on community health systems at Frontline AIDS, which is the largest global civil society partnership of organizations working on HIV and AIDS. There's been this huge inequitable access in access to vaccines or tests and treatments as well. Like there's even more than vaccines, it's very difficult to get any kind of treatments for monkeypox or people who have tested positive. And then similarly, sort of either ignoring or neglecting data and expertise from a lot of countries in the global south. There was a previous monkeypox outbreak in 2017 in Nigeria, where actually a lot of the, the National Health Service there collected information establishing that monkeypox could now be spread through sexual contact. Um, and that was pretty much ignored on a global scale until this more recent outbreak in 2022 that just wasn't considered important or a priority. Let's just reflect on that. We knew. The National Health Service in Nigeria had studied and collected this information, but it was ignored. It took experts like Professor Chloe Orkin to do new studies in the global north to get this information adopted here. A paper which said that there are features that are not consistent with the case definitions of the international organisations. Because the World Health Organisation, the European Centre for Disease Control, the Centre for Disease Control in America... UK Health and Security Agency all had definitions, but what we found was not part of these definitions. So what we called for in the paper was that th- these definitions would be changed. Particularly in Western Africa, monkeypox has been endemic for quite a long time. They've had no access to these um, vaccines even before this. And now that there's this huge sort of hoarding of vaccines by um, sort of upper income countries, it's even harder for them to get those vaccines. And this hoarding of vaccines is only adding to the problem. The center of the monkeypox outbreak is shifting now, or it has been shifting for quite a while. We saw like it still is, if if you see that list of like the 10 countries with the highest caseloads per week or per month, it still features that like the United States, for example, but more and more it's moving to countries like Peru, like Mexico, Colombia is in the list as well. So we're, we're seeing it spread to other places. And even though in those countries, thankfully now more recently, we're seeing a, a slight drop in caseloads. The, the twofold issue is that in many countries for, where monkeypox was already endemic, for example, in Nigeria, there's such a low ability to get the tests for monkeypox that almost certainly there's a much higher rate than what has been reported to the WHO. Now, we've spoken a lot about the US, Europe and the UK. So hearing about a country like Peru struggling, I wanted to know more and see what it tells us about why monkeypox is a global problem and should be tackled as one. I spoke to Dr. Jose Hidalgo, an infectious disease physician based in Peru. He works at a public health hospital in Lima, as well as Via Libre, a non-governmental health organization. But in general, our authorities here in Peru like to compare us to other larger countries in Latin America, like Mexico, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Chile. But in terms of healthcare, health access, we're actually behind them. 
we have uh, less hospitals, less community services, in general, less both preventive and uh, acute care services. And this lack of access to care is really impacting people living in Peru. And we have a large number of uh, monkeypox cases, less cases than Brazil, for example, maybe. But when you look at the uh, incidence, the, the, the number of cases per population, those uh, are higher for Peru. So we had, uh, we started out with uh, monkeypox, uh, the, the monkeypox outbreak here a few months ago. It has peaked uh, about uh, a month ago. Now it's coming down, but it, it is coming down slowly actually. So why is this moving so slowly in Peru? We don't have vaccine yet. I mean, the Ministry of Health has announced that this week, the first group of vaccines are going to arrive into the country. So we are still going to discuss how we are going to vaccinate the population at risk. So we don't have the vaccines yet. We have not started out the vaccination rollout yet. One thing for sure is that we are not getting enough vaccines right now. So we have estimated that we should be vaccinating around 200,000 people the country, but there is only 10,000 doses that are scheduled to arrive in the, in the country in the short term. The first issue that we are going to have to discuss is how we distribute those few vaccines that we are getting now. Uh, other Latin American countries are already vaccinating their, their population, but we are just about to start. We have not started yet. We have talked at length on this show about the problems with vaccine rollouts and what we could improve here in the UK. But Peru hasn't even had the chance to get started. They just don't have access. This is a global condition and a global outbreak. The WHO, they release bi-weekly statistics on, um, you know, where monkeypox cases have been reported from. And Peru consistently for the last while has been within the top 10 countries in the world, even though it doesn't have a, a particularly large population. And I think UNAIDS are also estimating that per, per head of population, Peru has the highest rate of monkeypox, reported monkeypox infections in the world currently. There's been a huge delay in getting um, access to vaccines to medical centers in Peru and similarly in, across quite a lot of Latin America, even though... Um, Again, the, the list of the 10 countries with the highest burden of monkeypox infections, quite a few are based in Latin America or Central America. And it's only been in the last couple of weeks that only several of those countries have been able to get a few vaccines. Many of them haven't in the countries that are getting the vaccines. It's much uh, it's a much smaller number and quantity than it would be needed based on how the, the outbreak is going in those countries so far. And when it comes to rollouts of vaccines, like here in the UK... Sexual health services, and more specifically, those focusing on HIV care, well, they're the ones being left responsible for this rollout. The strategy that uh, the Minister of Health has indicated is to vaccinate through the HIV treatment clinics. I think that's very reasonable in the sense that we already have a large network of HIV clinics. Via Libre, for example, uh, belongs to that network. And actually, we have a very large HIV population that receives uh, HIV therapy. But uh, still, the question remains for the non-HIV diagnosed persons uh, that is still may be at risk. And uh, that issue is not clear yet how the vaccines are going to be made available to, to those persons. 
And look, it's true. Clinics and medical services that have experience of dealing with outbreaks such as HIV probably are armed with the immediate skills to deliver the care. However, we know this additional workload creates a burden on these already struggling services. With the HIV pandemic, particularly at the end of the 90s, started to 2000s, there was this huge issue again that there was very inequitable access to um, medicines and treatments for HIV, which led to like a huge number of unnecessary deaths, particularly in lower income countries. And that there was really like, there had to be over quite a few years, this huge sort of push and fight to make sure that those medicines were made accessible. We've seen the same thing again with COVID, that there was this huge inequity in where the vaccines were going, who had access to the vaccines. And now the same thing again is happening with monkeypox. There's been this very disparate, um, what some people are calling vaccine apartheid, where many countries are not getting access to any of these vaccines. Um, I mean, for me, the example I can think of that was um, a few months ago in August, I was in Montreal for the International AIDS Conference. Um, and obviously, because it's an AIDS conference, the organizers were doing quite a good job of promoting to attendees about how um, the city of Montreal Health Services were making monkeypox vaccines available to people and where to go to get those. But it was really sort of stark that in the city of Montreal, which I think is a little bit less than 2 million people, there was more access to vaccines readily than in, at that time, the whole continent of South Africa or still at this moment, the whole continent of Africa, like this small city in Canada of a few million people had more access than literally billions and billions of people in other countries. So from our point of view, we would say that this, what you've pointed out, this very long-standing issue of in- inequitable access to treatments and medicines. It's not just a, a one-off issue to do with monkeypox. This is like, a, this flaw is built into the, the way global health systems work and it keeps happening again and again. So to to prevent it happening again, it's going to require this quite large shift in how global health systems work and how medicine and treatments are allocated, how those sort of um, uh, products produced by pharmaceutical industries are allocated and controlled. But in order to make changes, we need every country to step up. I can tell you myself, sometimes speaking about this can feel like you're just shouting into the void. I wanted to create this documentary, yes, to help my community, but also to help everyone. Because this isn't an LGBTQIA plus issue. This is a human issue. And by people outside of our community not taking action or understanding, This has huge impacts, especially on places like Peru. Peru has uh, had high burden of uh, monkeypox, but the general community has not really noticed that we need to improve awareness and increase resources to care for the affected and for the at-risk population in the country. But this isn't always easy. It's legal to be gay in Peru, and there are some discrimination protections. But sentiment towards our community isn't always great. It's a country with really heavy ties to the Roman Catholic Church. And of course, beyond Peru, there's still 69 countries around the world where it is illegal to be an out and proud member of our community. This creates all kinds of barriers, not only for accessing care, but also for building a wider picture governments need to address outbreaks and health issues affecting our community, ones like monkeypox. There's almost certainly quite a large number of people who are being infected with monkeypox, but they they either are not comfortable or not safe to access um, testing and diagnosis and treatment for that. 
hopefully the the figure is about um the rates of infections and the, the number of people being infected dropping are accurate. The worry is that that's not necessarily the case. And of course, even though it, it might drop because it's been such an explosive growth since April, I think it's been nearly, I think it's been over 70,000 people since then. Even if the overall infection rate drops, there's still the risk that it becomes endemic and is sort of kept around in many communities for, for years and years after this, which would also be a huge loss if that's allowed to happen. It's proving really difficult to see the scope and urgency of this outbreak. But listening to people on the ground, this is one way that we can unpick this. I don't think uh, monkeypox is going away that easily. I mean, as I, as I said, uh, we've had a high burden of, of, of disease. We have a high incidence of cases here. We are going to need to insist and to put pressure on the government to, to go ahead and get more vaccines. We, there is no other way for us. We need to insist and, and get more vaccines. What we got so far is not really enough. The experts are clear. Vaccines are needed as part of a global response to a global issue. So what could that response actually look like? And with the World Health Organization leading the advice on response around the world, how do they see this playing out? That's after the break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. In the 1980s and 1990s, there were theoretical concerns that um, monkeypox could potentially move into the niche that was previously occupied by, by smallpox, but they were purely theoretical. That's Dr. Richard Pebody, the lead of the High Threat Pathogen Team at the World Health Organization. In July 2022, the World Health Organization declared monkeypox a global health emergency of international concern. This puts it on a level with COVID, Ebola, polio, you know, the big hitters. So for something that's been around for so long, was this outbreak a surprise? In many respects, this is, is a surprise. At that time, the spread from person to person, you know, the age distribution was very much in younger people and children in particular spreads sort of any person to person spread was mainly sort of through close contact in places like household settings and so on. As susceptible cohorts have built up, as uh, moved into adult populations, and of course, there's opportunity, as always, for these viruses, they find other ways to spread and, and they found a, an effective way um, to some extent, to spread from person to person. And that's obviously through close physical contact, often through sexual um, sexual activities. And of course, that is now around sort of really kind of, you know, communicating that with those communities and being clear on what measures can be sort of put in place to help help try to reduce the risk of spread. Let's look at the facts. This outbreak of monkeypox 
is one very specific strain of the virus. Two main clades of monkeypox, clades one and two, and, and, and one sort of circulates mainly in sort of the central part of Africa and the other one mainly in the West African part. And the clade which circulates mainly in that latter part of Africa, the studies have suggested it's got a, a lower um, severity ratio. Your, your, your risk of dying is is possibly le- less than the um, the other clade. Um, and it's this this particular clade is the one that's has been associated with this wider global outbreak. So these two clades have been present in Africa for a long time. But earlier this year, the WHO started to notice it in other parts of the world. Declaration was made on the 23rd of July. Moments ago, the World Health Organization declared monkeypox a rapidly spreading monkeypox outbreak is now extraordinary. Dr. Tedros, the director general, the global monkeypox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. Member states and affected communities are really kind of key to trying to stop the outbreak. And that was really the overarching aim here to stop this outbreak. And this is a big job. This outbreak didn't just impact one area. It went worldwide. And it went worldwide fast. This infection is, is, is not just restricted to one or two countries. Actually, it's, as we have now seen, in the European region, for example, over 40 countries have actually diagnosed at least one case. So it's, it's quite widespread. And a lot of that work has then gone around making clear to countries what surveillance systems they need to have in place, making access to laboratory diagnostics. And of course, some countries already have that, but others don't. And then another key aspect then, of course, is around case management of more severe cases that, that haven't been so many, but it's also around sort of getting access to antivirals, treat the the, the more severe cases. And finally, um, there's the response around um, on the vaccine side. Now, the WHO acted pretty fast. But we know that different countries have different wealth, different access to care, and different values when it comes to LGBTQIA plus people. The WHO say that attempting to encourage a more worldwide response as opposed to individual countries just looking after themselves was definitely a priority. I mean, it is obviously related partly to access to to interventions um, like vaccine and also access to other interventions as well and and also implementation of things like the behavioral interventions. So, I mean, what we've WHO has been doing, I mean, liaise with the vaccine manufacturers and also actually several of the member states who have got larger reserves um, to try to make that supply more accessible to countries that don't have access. We're continuing to urge countries with those larger stockpiles to share and donate donate vaccines. I mean, that, that is really important. When we hear from people like Dr. Hidalgo in Peru, where vaccines aren't happening as quick as needed, right next to hearing how much of a priority the vaccine distribution is, it's no wonder experts are frustrated. But the WHO can only recommend these actions. They don't have the power to enforce them on individual countries or governments. But if countries were to follow the advice, Dr. Peabody is optimistic that this would have a huge impact. We can stop 
the monkeypox outbreak and we're seeing that um, with a coordinated response countries are reducing transmission levels but that does require real political will and commitment and then the implementation of these different measures in the affected communities the communities that need them the most and each country needs to adapt the response accordingly but the core elements to the response are around community engagement, enhanced surveillance, strong laboratories testing, contact tracing, and finally, um, the use of risk reduction measures involving a range of interventions, but also including vaccination. But that vaccination is not the sole answer. It's It needs to be part of a, a comprehensive approach. This comprehensive approach includes a lot of things. One the WHO recommends is scientific studies. Since this outbreak began, all sorts of studies have started popping up. Some on vaccines, but also on treatments. Drugs like Tecovirma or Tpox, which we've touched on throughout this series, they're essentially smallpox drugs. And although safe to use and tested on humans in that context, from the perspective of monkeypox, they've only been tested on animals. We've spoken to many experts about what they've deemed the scandalous UK response. Well, one thing the UK government has done is fund a trial for monkeypox drugs for humans. And if you're listening or know someone with monkeypox, it's one they could take part in and actually get hold of treatment to reduce their symptoms. Early, early on, the government knew that this was an important question to answer. That's Dr. Liam Pito clinical lead for the platinum trial that is being conducted at the University of Oxford. Yeah, Platinum's a, a clinical trial that's open to most people in the UK with monkeypox. Um, we're testing an antiviral drug called tecovirumab or Tpox, which is sort of promising but unproven treatment for monkeypox. And, and we're trying to find out whether or not it can help people get better more quickly and also help them clear the virus more quickly. So tecovirumab in the UK has been used scarcely throughout this outbreak and primarily for those with incredibly severe cases who are hospitalised. You know, because people diagnosed with monkeypox often isolating at home, particularly for the first sort of few days or weeks, it's it's a remote trial, which means that there's no in-person contact. We don't have any sort of clinic visits or anything. And we phone people up to explain the trial. If they want to join, we send them the, the treatment, um, which is either placebo or the active treatment. Um, and it's a randomised trial, so we don't have any control over what people get. Um, they'll either have tecovirumab pills or they have identical pills without any tecovirumab in them and then we give them a two-week course of, of pills to take and they fill in a de- daily symptom questionnaire which takes about a minute um, and then we phone them weekly to find out how they're doing and also people need to take swabs from from their throat and their one of the monkeypox sores um, to find out whether or not there's there's still any virus trials like this are pretty common however with monkeypox because it hasn't been seen in these numbers before it hasn't really been possible to conduct them on such a large scale. And if we want to make sure that these antivirals are available for the future, it's vital we ensure that they not only work, but also that they're safe. You know, as far as we know, you know, it's a safe drug. It's been given to over 400 healthy volunteers. Um, doesn't have any serious side effects we've identified so far. But compared to most of the drugs we use, there isn't you know, a lawful lot of experience because you know this this outbreak has been fairly you know unprecedented you know as far as we know that it's safe but obviously one of the reasons for doing a trial as well as to find out whether the drug works is to work out whether there are any side effects that we don't know about yet this sort of action is exactly what we've been calling for 
this is one of the tools we have to fix things. This UK trial could too be referenced in decisions to offer the drugs to people all over the world. This trial is sort of is asking a very specific question about whether this drugs work, you know, works in in people infected and, you know, at the moment with this epidemic. But but absolutely it fits into the sort of wider picture. And I think particularly since COVID, everybody's much more aware of how interconnected the world is, you know, how dynamic diseases are. Um, I mean, actually, you know, it's been going on throughout human history, but I guess with a more connected world, we're, you know, we're seeing the effect of it perhaps a bit more clearly. Um, and you know, monkeypox is another example of that. It, you know, it's an infection that's spilled over multiple times into people. Uh, and in this case has caused a sort of unprecedented global outbreak in areas where it was really unknown before. Um, and the one thing that's certain is we're going to see more of this kind of thing, whether or not it's this particular family of viruses or, or other things. And this should give us lots of hope. But while it's amazing that the UK government are funding studies like this, there's still work to be done. There's these big reform or discussions taking place about how to prepare better for pandemics. Ola McFadden from Frontline AIDS. One of those is, um, hopefully not to get too technical, but the World Bank, they're, they're in the process of setting up what they're calling a pandemic fund, which will allocate money towards countries that need it to help prepare for pandemics. And then at the World Health Organization, they're actually in, in the middle now of negotiating a potential pandemic treaty or pandemic accord, setting out like what needs to be done to prepare for future pandemics. And they're also looking at reforming some of the, the regulations that guide country-level responses to pandemics. So in a lot of those discussions, there's voices from the Global South, voices from civil society saying, you know, we need to make sure in these new guidelines and new structures that there's clear directions and guidelines about sharing for intellectual property around vaccines, that sharing equitably access to treatments to that the these countries where there might potentially be a pandemic outbreak are supported so that they don't have huge economic backlashes or that as we saw in South Africa I think last year that people from that country aren't banned from traveling to large parts of the rest of the world so I think it would be really important for from the government level to make sure that they do support these kind of changes to the business as usual approach to the global health system because we've seen again with covid monkeypox hiv and like many other examples it just it's not working at the moment it just creates these huge inequities and frankly like millions and millions of unnecessary deaths and just sort of re reinforces these sort of um frankly it's almost pretty much like colonial error disparities in access and power that we we see in these global spaces like this now is a chance to really change some of that because they are opening up quite a lot of these structures for review and discussion about how how do we do it better next time these ideas were mirrored by Dr. Pevody at the WHO. And while it's clear that the response hasn't always been perfect, things are looking a bit more positive. You know, in a sense, this global outbreak now is a call for action around devoting some resources to prevention and control, not only for, as you say, the wealthy countries, but also for um, other other communities and, and also in endemic countries as well, in, particularly in the African region. Clearly, it's more challenging in some respects there because of the animal reservoir, but um, but there's this certainly much, much more that can be done to support um, the management of, of, of monkeypox um, across the globe. The drop in numbers is a great indicator that things are improving and that action makes a difference. If we look at the direction of travel of the 
um, epidemic curves, we, we are heading in the right direction. And, and that's testament really to the international response, to the response of the affected communities. But, you know, we're not out of it yet and we shouldn't take our foot off the accelerator. The risk is if we do that, that um, we're going to you know, see a resurgence, frankly, of the outbreak. And so we do need to sort of be in this for the long haul. You know, we need to think around how we can integrate uh, monkeypox care into routine services so that people have access to the diagnostics, to the treatments, to the vaccines, so that it's not something that we have to live with in the, you know, in, 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 in the long term future. But knowing that people in places like Peru are still struggling to receive even the smallest amount of vaccine, just like COVID, infectious diseases in a global world only go away if everyone all around the world get the same help. Through creating this series, we've uncovered so much more about the glaring inequalities when it comes to healthcare and access to treatments. These are problems that can be fixed, but only governments around the world really hold the power to do that. But if you're listening, it may feel like you can't take personal action, but you can. Individuals, voters, all of us, we have the power to advocate for the changes that we want to see. One campaign that's calling for this kind of systematic change is the Act on Monkeypox campaign by National AIDS Trust, Prepster, and THT. They're asking you to write to your local MP to request more government support. If you're going through monkeypox, you can also request to take part in the Platinum Trial. Just speak to your GP, ask for a referral. We've actually put the link you need to give to your GP in the show notes. I initially wanted to create this series as a resource for people going through monkeypox. I wanted to break down the shame and stigma and simply offer some information and a bit of comfort for those experiencing what I did. But the investigation, well, it became pretty eye-opening. But you can challenge some of these issues yourself. Will Nutland from Prepster gave some great advice about having open discussions surrounding sexual health. The way we respond to someone when they when they tell us that either they have monkeypox or syphilis or chlamydia or whatever else will impact on whether they tell other people in the future. And Susan Cole from NAMP AIDS Map, well, she spoke about changing the language and questions we ask when discussing monkeypox or when talking to someone living with HIV. You don't want to use terms like someone like being HIV infected, but rather someone living with HIV. And I think it's the case in terms of monkeypox. So a person who has been, who has had monkeypox or a person who is currently has monkeypox that we, we put the person at the center and we shy away from stigmatizing language. The biggest thing you can do is support and be part of our community. As LGBTQIA people, we've been through so much and have had a lot of things thrown at us. We didn't ask for monkeypox, but it arrived on our doorstep. And thanks to the action of queer people, activists, health professionals and charities, we've stood up and done our best to sweep it away. When I was home alone sick in my bed, it was the actions of my community online that got me through. It was reading things like Matt Ford's Google Doc and the advice he shared that helped me. 
If you're at home right now with monkeypox listening to this, I'm going to leave you with the three sentences that Matt wrote that got me through. You have done nothing wrong in getting this. You are not alone. And there's a lot of people going through this. And just remember, this is momentary. You will be on the other side of this very soon. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Martin Joseph, and executive produced by Jamie Wareham. What the Pox is a Queer AF production. Thanks for helping us work out what the Pox is going on. If governments won't take action, we need to. If you found it useful, share it with a friend or drop us a little rating and review to get it in front of the people who need it the most. We are Queer AF, and so are you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>